You're listening to the On the NBA Beat Podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts, while the Lakers have two. Your hosts, Lauren Lee Chen and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. For Lauren and Joshua, this is Aaron Fishman on the NBA Beat Podcast, Episode 2A. We're talking Sacramento Kings with James Hamm, former publisher of ESPN True Hoops Cowbell Kingdom, where I had the pleasure of working alongside him. And he's now the Kings insider for Comcast Sportsnet. He even once sang karaoke with retired center Olden Polonies. He does it all. Let's get underway. So how's Olden Polonies doing? And more importantly, how are you with your new gig? Well, I'm loving the new gig. And to be honest with you, Olden seemed like he was doing pretty well. He was, uh, I don't know if he was looking for a job with the Sacramento Kings down at training camp. Um, but he's he's a good guy. He's uh, a very friendly guy every time i've met him since i was young and you know saying teddy bear by elvis with him um but uh yeah olden's good i'm good i'm loving the new gig it's it's really cool i get to do some tv work this season um you know kind of the same writing gig overall uh we did just start the podcast back up on csn which is something that they haven't had before a king's insider podcast so i'm excited great stuff going forward joshua here uh, I want to start off by getting a general overview of the season the team may have. We're talking about an organization and fan base that's desperate to end a nine-year playoff drought. What are the best-case and worst-case scenarios for the season? And what has to happen in the loaded West for the playoff drought to end? Okay, if I'm going to look at best-case scenario, I think best-case scenario is somehow the Kings put it all together and win 50 games. I think they have the talent to do that. I don't know that they have the chemistry to do that. So they're going to have to build chemistry quickly. Uh, they're going to have to do a lot of, of team-building exercises. They're going to have to pull on one giant long string if they want this thing to work. Everyone's got to buy into what George Carl is selling, especially DeMarcus Cousins and Rajon Rondo. Uh, I, I think those are some keys. As far as worst-case scenario, this thing implodes, and either Carl gets fired or Cousins has to be traded before the All-Star break. And, and I think that both are real possibilities. The the plus and the minus, and that's what's kind of scary going into the season. The Kings have all kinds of potential, and they have all kinds of potential to fall apart and to just go really, really far south. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, though. I think that this team has been built with a lot of support pieces in place. I really like the additions of guys like Karan Butler, uh, Costa Kufos, um, Marco Bellinelli. These are proven winners. They're guys who have been on good teams in the past, and they really know, you know, what it takes to get to that next level. And I'm hoping they can sort of bring that to the table for this this team that's no longer the youngest team in the NBA. It's now really a good mixture of veteran and young player. As far as what is it going to take for them to succeed in the West, um, I, that's a that's a really really long question. I think that there's there's plenty of of reasons why the West to me is a lot more wide open than people are acting like. I think you've got some really good teams in the the Clippers and uh, the Warriors, Houston, uh, Memphis, and San Antonio. 
But then after that, I really think those last three spots are wide open. And I think that a lot of teams have taken a, a substantial step back. I think Portland is nowhere near the team they were a year before. I think you can say the same about Dallas. I don't fear uh, the Suns. I think that they were kind of a one-hit wonder, and they're going to have a difficult time putting it back together. Um, Utah is a nice up-and-coming team, but I don't fear them either. I think they're a team that they really did a lot on smoke and mirrors last year. Quinn Snyder is probably a much better coach than people are giving him credit for. Uh, I guess the one team that, that the Kings should be really in competition with for one of those last spots is the Pelicans, but I like the talent uh, better on the Kings. Not that I think they have more talent. I think they have better distribution of talent. I think their talent, they're a better, more well-rounded team. And uh, they don't have, they have complementary pieces where I think it's a one downfall to that Pelicans team. They have a lot of like replicative, uh, repetitive pieces. A lot of guys that do the same exact thing. And that typically doesn't work at the NBA level. So I, I think the Kings have a shot to compete. And, uh, you know, I guess the one team I didn't mention there is the Thunder. I think a lot of people are expecting Thunder just to jump right back on top of the heap. I'm not sure that that's going to happen. I think Thunder are going to take a little while. I think they're going to have some major distractions around the trade deadline if things aren't going swimmingly. And even if they are, I think they may have to cash out if they believe that Kevin Durant is going to walk away. And uh, so I think it's going to be kind of an intriguing season for that OKC team. Would you say George Carl is already on the hot seat? And if so, how well do the Kings need to perform for the legendary coach to keep his job in sack time? I think that he's – I don't know if he, I'd say he's on the hot seat. I think once we got past uh, the summer and we got into training camp, I think things kind of settled down and went right back to where they were before. Um, the one thing I like about what Carl's doing is despite the fact that he really let things like kind of fall off the rails – He's right back to coaching the way he coaches. He he hasn't missed a step. He's he's built an incredible staff of people that he's very comfortable with. And I think he's ready to just move forward. And I think most of the people inside the organization are ready to move forward. Now, whether or not that happens or not, you know, it really depends on how well this team starts. Um, I, I'm not giving them like the 10 to 15 games like a lot of people are. I want to see where they're at in December 31st, where they're at coming out of the first two months of the season. Let's give this team enough time to gel. If they're floating around 500 and still have an opportunity, then I could see the team really taking off from there. And I don't think we're going to have knee-jerk reaction unless things really, really go south and the relationship between Cousins and Carl uh, just completely implodes and they can't be in the same room together. Hey, James, it's Lauren. Thanks for joining us. In two consecutive drafts now, the Kings have decided to pass over two point guards, Alfred Payton and Emmanuel Moutier, respectively. What was the philosophy behind those choices? Well, I definitely think, uh, Lauren, that, that when the Kings decided a year ago to go with Nick Stauskas over Alfred Payton, um, that was a couple of people within the organization really, really pulling for one guy. And it was a mistake. Uh, I think Alfred Payton would have been a perfect fit. You would have a young backcourt that you're building around, a defensive-minded guy who can pass and can, who's athletic and can do some, some really nice things. I think he would have complimented Darren Collison very well. And uh, that was a pretty substantial mistake. This year, uh, the movie pick, it, it's a – I don't know. I don't know what to make of it because 
typically it doesn't matter for most teams if a player works out for them or has conversations with them or not. They're going to go with the best talent available. The Kings had centered on Willie Cauley-Stein really, really early in this draft process. But I do know they liked Moutier. And I, and I also think that Moutier is a guy that, uh, you know, his skill set is so unique that you could see him, especially in George Carl's system, being just a dynamo. But when he refused to, to have a conversation with the Kings in Chicago at the pre-draft workout, that was a major strike. And when he decided to turn down the, the Kings' overtures to come Sacramento, that was a second strike. And Vlade Divac is, is new to the business on this side. And he decided that if he couldn't get an audience with that kid at all, that he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to touch him. And I think it's commendable. I think it's, it's about time someone stood up against the agents doing stupid things in the pre-draft stuff. You know, I think that probably cost Moody a couple of million dollars over the course of the contract from just dropping one spot to the next. Cause you know, it's a couple of hundred thousand dollars in the first year, but that compounds over three or four years. And so, you know, Moody actually lost money by, by not coming to Sacramento and, and giving things a whirl. Um, but, you know, I, again, I think the Kings had already centered on Willie Cauley-Stein. They really like, you know, they, they're looking for what they call a rim runner and a defensive presence. And you can really see, I mean, I look at Willie Cauley-Stein as like a much better version of JaVale McGee early on in his career. And he has potential to do more than that, to be a Joe Kim Noah type or a Tyson Chandler type. Um, where he ends up is, you know, who knows. But for right now, I really like the fit. I mean, the Kings have been looking for someone to play next to Cousins for years. And I think they finally got the guy. And then they added another guy in Kufos that I think can play alongside Cousins as well. Let's talk about Ronda for a second. He definitely disappointed in the back half of last season after joining the Mavs. Can we expect him to turn that around on the court for the Kings this season? Well, I think the Mavs, the Mavs situation is going to be talked about a million times. But really, if you if you look at that as like an isolated situation, and of course, you know there there's been other situations with Rondo in the past, but mm-hmm. you know other situations, and he's still stuck around in in Boston for what like eight years. Um, when I look at Rondo, this is the, the issue that I saw with Dallas. You have a very very strong willed, you know, he, he's he's a a guy that likes to have his his stamp on a team. And he comes in and he's a leader. He's a coach on the floor. He's a coach off the floor. He's very talkative. You know, like I talked to Rudy Gay and Rudy Gay said, yeah, I, I said, what's the difference between having him, you know, just be your friend and now being a teammate? He's like, well, when he's just your friend and you don't want to hear him yap, yap, yapping all day long, you just don't pick up his, his phone call. But when, you know, he's... uh when he's your teammate, you can't tone him out. He's there, and you're like, "Oh boy," you know. So they're they're really close, and that was Rudy kind of being funny, but it's really true. So when you take a guy like Rondo, who is kind of a little yippy, uh, he likes to talk a lot, and he likes to coach a lot, and then you put him on a team with Tyson Chandler and Dirk Nowitzki and a bunch of guys who have been together for you know a decade and a, a really really veteran team. And all of a sudden, he's he's not fitting in. He, he's trying to enforce his will. It's a recipe for disaster, especially when you do it mid-season. Now, with Sacramento, getting him before training camp, having him come in and work with the team even long before training camp, he was already in Sacramento working out, you know, playing with some of these guys. And then you get him into a regular season 
into a training camp, into a preseason, into a regular season, and he's your guy from the beginning. And the Kings have been very, very clear uh, by starting him in all six preseason games that Darren Colson is is coming off the bench, that Rayshon Rondo is a starter. I think when you do that, you allow him to be himself. And hopefully that's a good thing. And hopefully that meshes well with everybody else. But we know that the talent of Rondo, you know, you're not a four-time all-star and and a, a world champion for nothing. He, you know, he, he was extremely good. There's no question that even on the Celtics team with three Hall of Famers, he was the best player. And so if he's back to normal, if he's healthy, which he says that he is, um, I see him having a really, really good season. And I also see Darren Collison having a tremendous season coming off the bench change of pace, able to play the two, able to play the one and the two off the ball, on the ball. He's a very versatile player. He can take you off the dribble. He's quick. I really think he's going to have a big season, and so does George Carl. There's so many personalities on this team. that You alluded to it before. This is Aaron again. But mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about, first of all, your former site accidentally stirred up some controversy with the whole Rondo thing him deadpanning about his relationship with George Carl, saying completely with a straight face that it's not going too well and they've gotten into arguments. And uh, that was a recurring off-season joke. Rondo was messing with the guy a little bit. but So it seems like Carl and Rondo's relationship is off to a strong start. I don't know if we can say the same about Cousins and Carl. Is that something that fans and analysts should still be keeping a close eye on? It was a little chilly, it seemed like, when, when they met in Las Vegas this off-season. Well, I think you're always going to have some trepidation between these two. There, there's, you know, it takes time to build trust, and when you start off on the wrong foot, it even takes more time. It takes time to kind of recover and then, you know, start building. And I think if they both pull back and look objectively at this, they can honestly say to one another, "We're both better with with each other than we are apart." You know, uh, if the Kings are starting over again with a new coach, even though there are, you know, there's Tom Thibodeau, there's uh, Scotty Brooks, there are some really good coaches out there. If they're starting over, though, it's just going to slow the process. And if Cousins has got to go somewhere else, it's going to slow his process as well. This is it's a situation where the Kings really have to try to just put it behind them. And if they can't do it, that will be an underlining theme of why this team failed this season. If they can put it behind them and move forward, this team has real potential. They have, uh, you know, great pieces. And, you know, look at George Carl's record over his career. You know, we keep talking about the additions the Kings have had. And for me, when you switch out coaches three times and you have the injuries that the Kings had last season, they still won 29 games. And I say still because that team easily could have won like 12 games because of how bad things went. But if you look at that team and you say, how many wins were they really capable of? If you didn't switch coaches three times, if Collison didn't miss the last 33 games, if Cousins didn't miss the the games because of um, viral meningitis, I mean, to me, that team easily could have won 36, 37, 38 games. Right. And I don't think I'm being outlandish with that. And then you, you revamp the roster and you add solid veterans to three positions and a really, really nice fit in Willie Cauley-Stein. You can't tell me that this team isn't a good five to eight wins better than they were a year ago. And that's at a minimum. Yeah. And so if we start adding up these figures, you know, 29 goes to, you know, let's just say 36, 36 goes to 44. And now you're in the conversation. Now can you be better than that? And, and I think that's why 
there is some hope for optimism here. And then when you tack all that in together and you wrap it up in a nice bow and you say George Carl won 57 games like, what, two and a half years ago with the, with the Denver Nuggets. I mean, this is a great coach. It, he's always proven that given him, giving him a full training camp with a team, he makes playoffs almost every single time. In recent seasons, the Kings have particularly struggled with defensive efficiency, assist-to-turnover ratio, and three-point shooting. Which of those areas do you think is most critical to improve this year? And um, just as a follow-up to that, if you pick defense or or just regardless, I'd like you to touch upon Willie Cauley-Stein's role on that defense and the prospects for the defense improving this year because... Really, if they score all the points in the world, it's, they're not going to make the playoffs if they can't defend. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I do know that they would have liked to have added a wing defender. Um, they got James Anderson, but you know he's not an elite wing defender or an elite three-point shooter. Um, three-point shooting is huge, and I think they addressed that. Uh, Rudy Gay's improved. Uh, you're hoping Ben McLemore improves. Marco Bellinelli adds instant, instant three-point shooting. Uh, Darren Collison, if you look at his numbers from the short porch in the corner, he's one of the like he's a knockdown lights out shooter from from the baseline. So I, I think they address the three-point shooting. Um, as far as the assisted turnovers, that's a huge issue that the Kings have dealt with forever. The biggest issue that you have with assists is assists lead to easy buckets. And so it kind of plays into the whole defensive thing. For me, one of the keys to this season is defense. And I just don't see a way that they're not tremendously better. DeMarcus Cousins is well above average on the defensive end now. He's no longer a uh, a lazy slap around, uh, you know, not move his feet guy. He's He draws more charges than anyone in the league two consecutive seasons. To me, you know, he is he elite? I'm not going to say he's elite. He's not Rudy Gobert as a shot blocker or anything else. But what the Kings did is they solidified that whole front line. So now Rudy Gay, as opposed to having, you know, Jason Thompson or or Reggie Evans, who was completely on the defensive end, just a complete sieve last season. Now you've got Cauley Stein and you have Kufos coming off the bench. That three big rotation defensively is incredible. I, I think there are not going to be any easy baskets on the Kings in the paint this year. Well, I mean, there will be, but it won't be a reoccurring theme like it has been in the past. Um, I, and again, don't undervalue the, uh, the addition of Kufos. Kufos is going to be an exceptional player for the Kings just because he solidifies everything. And he's only 26 years old. They locked him up for four years. Really a nice pickup. Um, and, and then Cauley Stein can guard, you know, four positions on the fo- floor prob- probably. He's a guy who's gonna who's gonna play goalie. He's gonna be all over the place. I really like what he brings to the table because he's gonna make Rondo and Collison and Mclemore and Bellinelli. He's gonna make them better. Uh, not only will he help Cousins as like that weak side shot blocker, but he's also gonna really have the guards back. He understands how to play the pick and roll, uh, which is one of the biggest issues in the NBA. If you don't have a big that knows how to play the pick and roll, you're up a up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> Right. So, so I really like what Cauley Stein brings. I think offensively, he's going to be pretty meh in year one, maybe even year two. Uh, if he averaged six points a game, I would be shocked. Um, but if you could get six points, eight rebounds, and maybe, I don't know, two blocks a game. Two would be a, great, yeah. And a steal, then I think he's effective. And, and just the shots that he'll deter besides the shot blocks, he'll be just fine. 
Joshua again, we're going to do a handful of rapid fire questions. So if you could please just give me a quick one sentence answer to the following questions. I don't get a rookie with one season. Sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better rookie season. Would Willie Colley Stein or Emmanuel Moutier? Statistically, Moutier will look better. Uh, form and function, who helps their team more? I'm going to say Colley Stein. Who's going to start? Willie Colley Stein or Costa Kufos? Colley Stein. Which player on the team will be most integral to the Kings' defense this season? It's still Cousins. Who's the most underrated Kings addition? Oh, man. You know what? I'm going to say this is kind of a, a weird way to answer it. I'm going to say Rondo, but it's Rondo because the addition of Rondo allows Darren Collison to be uh, something that he's not been able to be and that he's going to be as good a third guard as we have in the league this year. And um, last but not least, to quote Jim Mora, playoffs? Yes or no? (sighs) (laughs) It's tough. I'm actually going to say yes. I think this is a, uh, a playoff caliber team. Chemistry, all of that stuff is going to play into it. Uh, but talent-wise, I think people are, are sleeping a bit on the Kings. I know the line opened it at 33.5. It's up to 35.5. I think it's still low. You know, I've predicted 42 to 44 wins, but I think they can go higher than that if they can pull it all together. Yeah, this team is loaded with talent. Hey, James, I know you have to run soon, so this will be the last field question. Vivek Ranadive has been in the headlines a lot. Can you discuss the uh, trade-off between having that kind of hands-on owner who's really passionate about the team versus one who likes to be a little bit more hands-off and delegate the basketball decisions to his hires? It's a tough thing because, I mean, if I were to buy a team, I'd have my hands all over it. And would that be the smartest thing? I don't know. I I have a good basketball mind. Um, Am I going to compare my basketball mind to, say, like Jeff Petrie? I think he's going to win. I think. You never know because I I wouldn't have drafted Thomas Robinson. I would have drafted Damian Lillard. So I would have won that. (laughs) I won that specific thing. I, I also okay. wouldn't have drafted Jimmer. Uh, I wouldn't have drafted Clay. I would have drafted Kawhi Leonard. So I would have already had a better team than he does right now. Uh, but, but you might have won a championship already. Yeah, Cousins. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty stacked team. Um, yeah, especially if you didn't, if you drafted Curry instead of uh, instead of Tyreek. And I mean, just go down the list. It's been yeah. a brutal stretch. Um, the one that, though that really sticks out is a Thomas Robinson deal. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Vivek, how can you tell someone not to be invested in their product? And I think you're going to make mistakes. Every new owner makes all kinds of mistakes. They do things that you just look at them and shake your head and say, boy, you just totally embarrassed us. Uh, but you hope that they learn and they get better. And I think he's pulled back a little bit. Is he as like detached as the Kings are trying to make it out to be? The answer is no, he's not. He's he's still in there. He's still in there uh, making waves and pushing buttons and saying, let's try this or what would this do? Or, um, but at the end of the day, it's his team, his and like like 46 other people that he shares the team with. But, you know, we'll just say for all intents and purposes, it's his team. And that's something that, you know, I, I don't think you can take away from somebody. So, Hopefully he's learned from the last couple of years. There have been mistakes. Uh, there have been mistakes in hiring. There have been mistakes in drafting. There's been all kinds of mistakes that have been made. But really, I think the biggest mistakes that were made in is uh, 
who he decided to put his trust into. And if you're putting your trust into Vlade Divac, I think that's a really wise move because whether Vlade is good at the job or not, Vlade's intentions are always going to be good. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you can't always say. And I think he's been led astray in the past. And I think he's done being led astray. I think the conversation now will be much more focused on basketball and much more focused on real basketball items. We're not going to have these little items sneak out of a closed meeting about four on five basketball and stuff like that. That's just not going to happen. So I think the focus will be on the team this year, not on Ron Adive and his decision making. Well, James, thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and hopefully we can have you on to talk Kings and karaoke again sometime. That sounds good to me. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Thanks James. Thanks a lot.